It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. It's good to be. I was telling Brother Taylor, it's good to be in 2023. Amen. How many are glad you're in 2023? If somebody, somebody would have told you 10, 15 years ago, you're going to make it to 2023, you would have said, hallelujah. <laughs> and look at us now. Here we are, 2023. What a beautiful year it's turning out to be. And what, what, a, what an awesome series we've been in in this series called The Names of Jesus. I have never taught a series this long. I mean, I, and I think I, when I began this series, how many know there's a lot of names of God? There's a lot of names, right? And I'm trying to get to these names because I want you to have greater faith. I want you to possess the name of Jesus. Do you know that the name of Jesus will set your life free? If you really begin to comprehend his name and understand who he is, it'll transform your life. It'll transform your faith. And I want you to have the kind of faith that can move mountains. I want somebody in here to uproot some trees. Come on, somebody. That we can walk and move in the kingdom of heaven as we should. And so we've been in this series, and I, 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 the more that the Spirit has me meditating, well, well, let me just say this. How many know the Bible says that if Jesus be lifted up, he'll draw all men unto himself, right? So I just want you to hear that, that we're going to be talking about uh, the names of Jesus. I, there's a couple more. I don't know when the Spirit wants me to uh, stop the series. Who knows? I might preach this series until Jesus come back. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I'll be preaching Jesus when he comes back. How awesome is that? So we are, we are in a, a, this series called The Names of Jesus, and we are, we are getting into some really awesome names that have been over the last several weeks. Last Sunday, we talked about Jesus being called the Son of Man, and that is an incredible thing to say, Jesus Christ, the Son of Man. And so today, I'm going to have you to stand. And as you stand, I want you to go, check this out, to Revelation chapter 5. I'm going to read the whole, I was just going to read verses 1 through 10, but as I was praying and meditating yesterday, the Spirit said, read the whole thing. So I know that sounds weird to somebody, but I'm going to read the whole chapter, catch this, of Revelation chapter 5. Don't worry about the meanings, there's some symbolisms there that I'll get to, and I'm going to do my best to refrain from any... Uh, eschatology while I do this because I love reading the book of Revelation. If I start talking Revelation, I'm going to preach an everlasting message and you won't even make lunch today if I start getting into some of the, some of the, 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 the meanings of the Revelation. But, so I'm going, to, I'm going to contain myself and give to you that which is uh, uh, expedient for the message. So uh, we're going to be in Revelation chapter 5. While you have your Bible open and I I, I, I look around, and I say, Lottie, I'm so glad that people still bring a Bible. Amen. I know somebody, I, I, I've got a digital Bible, and I use it regularly, but it's nice to be in the house of the Lord to see people with the regular Bible. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to get your Bible ribbon, and of course, you're open to Revelation chapter 5. So I want you to take your Bible ribbon, and I want you to go to Genesis 49, because today we're doing something kind of unique. Today I'm talking about the, 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 the lion of the tribe of Judah and I'm talking about the Lamb of God and I'm going to tell you this you can't have the lion without the lamb I'm going to talk about that so I'm just trying to teach you some, some, some theology today you can't have the lion without the lamb nor could you have uh, the, the lamb without the lion I'm going to show you just how, how unique these two the, last week I told you that the son of God and the son of man are like peanut butter and jelly in the kingdom Right, And so I'm going to tell you today, the Lion of the tribe of Judah and the Lamb of God are like peanut butter and jelly. We're going to talk about that today. We're going to, we're going to get down with some really good stuff. So 
We're going to be reading. So, you, if, so if you're in Genesis 49, just put your Bible ribbon there. Because somewhere during the message, I'm going to stop and we're going to jump over there. And it's so much better if you're already prepared so that we don't have to take time to uh, have people kind of move through the pages of the Bible uh, to get over there to find the right chapter. So it's chapter 49 of the book of Genesis. Just put your Bible ribbon there. And I believe mine's already, I think I put mine there. Yes, I did. Yeah, so I'm already queued up and ready to go, and I want you to be queued up. So we're going to be in Revelation chapter 5, and bear with me because I'm going to read this chapter. And, and so, don't, so I know there's going to be some symbolism here and some things that we're going to talk about, but, but I, I want you to, namely, I want to read verses 5 and 6. This is part of what I'm going to be doing, my very best to stick to these two verses, but we're going to read the whole of the chapter. You'll see it in context. I think it'll help you. So again, this is Revelation chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, and a message entitled, The Lion and the Lamb. It begins like this. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne, watch this, a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. So here's God on the throne. In his right hand is a book. Imagine that. And I saw a strong angel. I believe this is a reference to an archangel. Proclaiming with a loud voice. Listen to the proclamation. Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? Did you catch that? So imagine God in heaven with the book. And an archangel heralding who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof. And I'll explain what that means here in a moment. Now look at verse 3. And no man in heaven, nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. Oh, wouldn't that be a horrible thing to see? God has a book. You know it's for you. But you're not worthy to open it. Can't read it. Your future's in the hand of God and you can't touch it. God's purpose, his design, his heart for you is there right in front of you. But you are not worthy to open it, to read it, to know thereon what's written. Notice that the scroll is written on both sides. It's full of the content of God. But you can't access it. You can't touch it. No man could. Now think, now watch what happens. John the Revelator, the beloved, this is what he says. And I wept much. Because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And while he was weeping, one of the elders said unto me, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, <laughs> the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. <laughs> Look at your name and say, that's victory right there, baby. The, the, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of Jesse. Now, 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 I want you to see what happens. So, so catch this. And I beheld and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb. Hold on, I thought we were talking about the, the lion. But when he looked back to see who it was, what did he see? A but a lamb. You see, you can't have the lion without the lamb. So, 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 so watch this. He says, 
He says, and, and, and I beheld and lo, in the midst of the throne and the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. Oh, my God. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. How many have been praying? Listen, you know, sometimes, okay, let me just say, this is not my message, but I just want to say something to somebody. How, how, how many have ever prayed a prayer and then you went a couple days, oh, I forgot to pray that prayer again? God didn't forget. My prayer is continually before the Lord. Ah. God is in the now, baby. <laughs> I so love that. And look what it says, verse 9. Where's my, where my worship team? And they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book. And to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. Now, verse 10 is a, is a verse of your future. And, and that's why I'm telling you, in that book was the future of mankind. And, and, and I'm going to talk about this. So catch this, verse 10. And hast made us unto our gods kings and priests. And we shall reign on the earth. And behold, I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000. Somebody say 100 million. <laughs> 100 million. Y'all hear me? Listen, John is simply saying he saw, as the Bible says, a host of innumerable angels. Isn't that marvelous? That the angels are singing and heralding and praising God. 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands and th of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Oh, how marvelous. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard, heard I saying, blessing and honor and glory and power. How many remember singing that song in church? Anybody here raised with that song? We, we used to sing that in church, man. That was our, that was our altar service song, man. We, we used to sing that blessings and honor and glory. We used to lift our hands and just be just, just singing right out of the Bible. It says, blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth on the throne. Yes, sir. <laughs> and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. Oh, oh man. Oh, how marvelous. Are y'all ready? ready to get into this? We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna uncover the lion and the lamb. We're going to see what this is all about. It's going to bless your faith. Will you pray with me? Let's just set aside uh, the world for 
for 30 minutes. Could we do that? We'll just set aside dinner and lunch and stuff and things and problems and adversities and bills and anything else that might be troubling the mind. Let's just put all that away just for a moment. Let the Lord minister to you in word and all that stuff will go away by itself. Father, we're here to hear you. All we, Father, we want your word. We, we, we want that ream of word. We, we want a word to speak into our time, into our season, into our day, into our lives, into our hearts. That, that we might know just who we are in this person we call Jesus, Yeshua. Uh, we we, we want to get into the root of this thing. We, uh, we, we want to understand what it is, what this line is all about, what that lamb is all about. Holy Spirit, move on us, stir in us, shake us, uh, uh, rain on us. Stir the heart and mind back to God. Uh, let this service yield fruit, fruit, fruit that would, would go back into the kingdom, not 30, not 60, but 100 times that which was sown. We pray for fruitfulness in the house of the Lord upon the family of faith. We set aside all the cares and duties and worries of life. Father, we might attend to your word. Uh, let, our, let our concentrations produce unity in the family of faith so that we may walk in unison. And we may walk together as brothers and sisters in faith. Help us to, to, to be the kind of faithful people that you have in this last day that can move those mountains and uproot those trees and speak your word and your will where it needs to be spoken. Help us as we move forward in this message. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Will you go hug somebody and say, I love the lion and the lamb. Go find somebody and just say, I love the lion and the lamb. I love the lion and the lamb. Sister Cheryl, it's good to see you, Sister Cheryl. Brother Curtis, it's good to see you, my man. It's so nice to see you. Uh, my friends and guests of the family of faith back in the house of God. What an awesome day it is. What an awesome day it is. Brother Curtis, God bless you, my man. Good to see you. Good to see you. I love that line in the land. I love that line in the lamb. I love the line in the lamb. How, mar how marvelous the knowledge of God is. The Bible teaches us that the knowledge of God produces eternal life. I think that's awesome. I think that's awesome. I love the lion and the lamb. Amen. The lion of the tribe of Judah and the lamb of God. That's awesome. You know, I've often said in the church, it's been my observation, my, 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 my way of observing the church, is that we're really good at drinking, we're just not good at eating. In other words, we've, we've been able to, uh, in the church, understand the, the, the ability and power of the blood. We just have never comprehended the power of the body. Could, could I contend with you today that in order uh, to know the Son of God, uh, you have to know the Son of Men? 
Could I contend with you that if you want to know the lion of the tribe of Judah, you have to know the Lamb of God? In other words, I want you to experience what it is to know God as the Son of God, Jesus as the Son of God, and also know Him as the Son of Man, for He is both. And, and I think it's incumbent upon the church to understand that, that, listen, we're not just drinking here at Harvest Point, we're eating too. Uh, one of the occasions that I'm always reminded of in St. John chapter 6, Jesus performed an outstanding miracle. Do you know that Jesus from, from five loaves of bread and two fish fed close to 20,000 people? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jesus does this miraculous miracle out of his own compassions. And the Bible says that later that day, Jesus went over the other side of the Sea of Tiberias and he was in Capernaum and the people followed him because they wanted to eat. And the scriptures say that when they found him, Jesus said, you're not here because you're after miracles. You're here because you're hungry. What did Jesus say? Labor not for the meat that perisheth, but rather for the meat, the flesh, the body that endures unto eternal life. And, And you know, even the people of that day, and I say that as an indictment upon the church. Do you know the people of that day? Who, who I would contend with you probably had little to no education. Probably the vast majority of those people who were around Jesus probably couldn't even read and write. You know what they said to the Lord? What must we do that we might work the works of God? Have you ever asked yourself that question? What must I do that I might work the works of God? Not your works, but God's works. Supernatural works, the power of God, the kingdom of God. And even these people, these these. these uh, people of, could I say, of, of relatively no education, of, uh, uh, they probably weren't as, as educated as you are, yet could still comprehend the spiritual nature in which Jesus spoke. And I just want you to receive that today. Receive that as just a, a, a warning to your life as to whether or not you comprehend the nature of the flesh of Christ. And you know, Jesus, uh, Jesus uh, when, he, when he was there, uh, the Bible says that they, that they said, well, well, give us a sign then. And how many know Jesus don't like giving signs? <laughs> Look at your neighbor and throw him a gang sign real quick. I don't know if you got one. You know, I don't know what you do with all oh, your... Jesus. He didn't like that. You know, signs don't help. Uh, they have the audacity to tell the bread of life. Yeah. The real bread. They had the audacity to tell Jesus that God, through Moses, gave them manna. Uh, The very manna that they complained about eating, you remember that. We just talked about that last week, didn't we? That they got so angry with God that he was giving them manna. The Bible says that they they blasphemed the name of God and blasphemed Moses' name. They said, we're sick of this manna. We, We loathe this bread, this light bread. You know, now, in Jesus' day, now they're claiming heraldic is something miraculous, something awesome. And do you know that Jesus, Jesus said, oh, you want a sign? Here's a sign. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. I am the living bread. You think about that. Jesus said, listen, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. And if any man eat that bread, he shall, listen, live forever. I'm talking about flesh. And he goes, and the bread that I will give, he says, is my flesh. Which I will give for the whole world. What? To have life. 
You know what the Bible says? When Jesus said that, the Bible says, and, and the Jews therefore strove among themselves saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? You know, there they are thinking that they're going to have to come take a bite out of Jesus. <laughs> Literally come up and, you know, nibble on the finger of the Lord. And then Jesus says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, watch, and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Now, some of you that are familiar with your Bible, you know that in St. John chapter 6, verse 66, John 666, that when they finally comprehended that what Jesus was talking about was intimacy, When they finally figured out just how real Jesus was talking, that, man, you're going to have to eat of me. You're going to have to drink. You're really going to have to believe on me. You're going to have to know me. The Bible says from that time, many of the disciples turned back and walked with him no more because they didn't want that kind of intimacy. And do you know, I believe I'm in a world and a generation of church people that don't want the body. We, we don't want real, genuine, godly intimacy. Oh, listen, you need that body. Touch the body. Touch the body. Say, you need that body, baby. I, I said it a few weeks ago. Isn't it, isn't it amazing that when you get married, listen, how, li, listen, church, how many know that when you get married, uh, husbands, when you get married uh, uh, and you find a wife, guess what? Her body's yours. People don't like to hear that anymore. People are going to, I already feel like I'm getting a little oh-ho just talking about it, but you can't affect the man of God. The man of God is strong. Listen, I'm here to tell you, when you get married, you no longer own your body. Husband, your body isn't yours. It belongs to your wife. Why? Because when you get intimate, you lose the right to your body. And that's how Jesus, Jesus got intimate with you. When you know what Jesus says? I'm going to give to you my body. Man's getting intimate. Listen, all you got to do is go into the time that Jesus had his last supper. I mean, remember Jesus' last supper. I, I, I like reading the rendition out of Luke 22. Jesus says this, what desire have I desired to eat this Passover meal with you before I suffer? Let me remember that, 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 that phrase that Jesus is in the upper room. The disciples are there. They're away from all the noise and clatter of the world. Jesus is about to go in Jerusalem to be crucified. He says, I want to have my last meal. How many know that, 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 that even today, uh, somebody on death row, they, they get their last meal? Yeah. I mean, if I'm eating my last meal, you know, I don't know what. I'm going to get some steak, man. I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get me a bone-in ribeye. <laughs> going to get me a baked potato, some cheese, sour cream, chive, bacon bits. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out. Boom. Here's Jesus on his last meal, and what does he serve up? The Passover. He's about to go die his death, and what is he doing? He, he's serving the Passover. Listen, you just think for granted that that's that you know Jesus could have served whatever he wanted to serve. He could have ate whatever he wanted to eat, but what does he serve up? The Passover. I'm going to get intimate with you again. Anytime you see the sacrament, it's God getting intimate. 
This is intimacy that, man, we don't even, we haven't even fully grasped just how intimate it is. And the Bible says that, that, that you remember the story, and Jesus took bread, and he gave things, and he broke it, and he gave it unto them and said to them, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Don't forget that I'm giving you my body. And likewise, the cup after supper saying, this is the New Testament. Watch. The New Testament. In my blood, which is shed for you. Some, some of you remember this, this, this how crazy the upper room is. Because Jesus, after Jesus said that, he says, but the hand of my betrayer is with me on the table. And they got all mixed up with that. Who is it? Who's going to betray the Lord? And, and you remember that, that not only that, but they were arguing who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom. Uh, Jesus is trying to get intimate, and they got their mind everywhere but him. And so Jesus said, I know how to, I know how to change the channel. The Bible says he went over to the corner of that room and took all his clothes off. Stripped down to nothing. Got a cloth, covered his loins. Got a basin of water and a pitcher. Went over to the feet of Peter. Started to wash his feet. What a shock, shocking contrast. That God, who said, I didn't come to minister, but to, but to minister to, to unto, to give my life a ransom for many. For the Son of Man came not, the Son of Man came not to minister, but to minister to give his life a ransom for many. And there he is washing feet. Peter said, Lord, you washed my feet? And he getting intimate in there. I mean, Jesus is tearing down all the precepts and concepts. And he's teaching you that this whole thing is him being nothing at all. God, the son of man, coming not even as a man, but lower than a man. He's a servant, lower than a servant. He's doing the most menial thing. He is washing doo-doo off your feet. If any man wants to be great, let him be the least, and he'll be great in the kingdom of God. It's amazing to me how we lose the reverence for the body, the person, the son of man. Uh, l l can I take you somewhere? Well, well, check this out. Let me take you to the Passover. Let, 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 me, just, let me just give a contrast to compare. Let, let me take you to Exodus 12. This is the first time we ever hear about the Passover. And, and, and even when I tell you the Passover, the first image you get in your mind, when I say the Passover, what, what, this is how Christianity is so corrupt in its own thinking. Watch. When I say to you Passover, the first thing you think is blood on the post. Don't lie, that's what you thought. When I told you the Passover, did you not immediately think, oh, yeah, the blood on the post of the homes of the Hebrew people and the death angel would pass over once he saw the blood? Yeah. 
See, we're good at drinking, we just don't know how to eat yet. Let me tell you the story of Passover. Let me show you how intimate it is. So, of course, you know, this is the 10th plague upon Egypt. God said, I'm taking my son. He told Pharaoh, you let my firstborn go. God's so serious that God, this 10th plague came. You know what it is. It's the death of the firstborn of every creature. Well, there was a fly went down on, you know, <laughs> calf, lamb, dog, whatever. It was the first, well, it died. This is, this is the death angel. The, the, the Bible says that God commanded the nation of Israel. So I want you to hear Passover. I want you to hear it. I, I, I want you to remember the blood. But don't forget the body. You got to have the blood and the body equally. So that you might say like Jesus said, what's easier to say? Son, your sins be forgiven or rise up and walk. You got to have them both in the balance. You got to eat from the son of man. You got to drink from the blood. You got to have them in balance. Watch this. God said, Moses, I want you to tell the nation of Israel that I want them to go to their stable. And I want them from the corral, from the barn, from the stable, I want them to find a ewe lamb, you know, a baby lamb uh, without any blemish. And I want you to take that little ewe lamb and I want you to bring him inside. I don't want you to separate it. I don't want you to say that. That's the one over there. You see that? There's 50. That's that one over there. No, no, no. You get the one, find the one without a blemish, and I want you to bring him home. And, and I want that little lamb to eat out of the palm of your hand while your family's eating dinner, you know. You let it come and eat. Let, it, it's going to sleep with your kids when they go to bed at night. It's going to be a little lamb in your house. It's it going to be like, you know, like a pet. You, you know how you do your little pets, right? I, I, I've seen people weep when their pets pass away. I, I've had people say, Pastor, tell me, is, my, is little foo-foo in heaven? Can't imagine going up yonder and little foo-foo not be with us. Have you lost your mind? <laughs> you, you, you know, people like to say, oh, when I get to heaven, I can't wait to see my grandmother, my grandfather, my mom and dad. Listen, I don't want to see none of them. I want to see Jesus. Man, I'm running over where my Jesus at. Then I'll talk with you a little later, but you're the sideshow. He's the main attraction. <laughs> but, but I want the little Ulam to be like a pet. Because I want it to be personal. He's going to be in your house for two weeks. I want you to take care of it. I want it to eat with you. I want it to be at the dinner table. I want you to have to move around it. I want it to sleep right there while you're there with your family around the, around the fire side. I want it to be part of you. And then on the 14th day, you're going to cut his throat. Be careful to catch all that blood in a, in a bowl because we won't need that blood. I want you to put it upon the doorpost of your home. Let it drip down. Let it get over the threshold. Cover your house. We're not done yet. I want you to take the flesh, the body of that little ewe lamb, and I want you to roast it with fire. I don't want you to bake it. don't want you to fry it. I want you to roast it with the flame. Because it's going to be a fiery lamb. 
Oh, you remember that fiery serpent, right? Yeah. We're going to roast it, and you're going to eat all of that, and you're going to eat it right now, and you're going to eat it in a hurry. You're going to eat all of that flesh. You're not going to save some for next week. You're not going to make me a sandwich for tomorrow. You're going to eat all of it right now, and you're going to eat it in a hurry. And what you can eat, I want you to consume it in the flame because this is the body of the Lamb. It's personal with God. Man, we're so good at drinking. You're in such complete, utter faith that your, your sins have been forgiven by the blood, but you're not walking in the power of God yet. That lamb is... That you lamb, that first Passover, wasn't just blood, it's body too. He said, what you can eat, I want you to burn up what you can eat in the flame. And you're going to eat it fast. Take it in. Get it while you can get it. Eat that flesh. Spread that blood. It's no wonder that the beloved's in heaven. See, see, see. There's the son of God who's the son of God because he possesses the blood right. Tap yourself and say, I possess the blood right. Yeah, yeah, I possess the blood right. But he's also the son of man. Because he died, I live. Because he rose, I rose. (laughs) Because he lives, I live. Because he is perfect, I'm perfect. You see, that's all the body. That's the son of man. See, you got you to know what you're talking about. See, if any of you ever needed to be healed, all you'd have to do is say, son of man. <laughs> He's the son of man. He's the lamb of God. Now, 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 now I, I, I want to share something with you. I, I, I want to give you a, a little bit of revelation. Can I give you some revelation? Because I want to I wanna draw you in because it, it's both the lamb and the lion. It's, it's both the drinking and the eating. Revelation chapter 5. You read it with me. Uh, uh, well, let me, let me do this because I think some of you maybe, maybe are lost. Revelation chapter 1 is, is the first time we get a visage of Jesus at the right hand of God. You, you, remember, you remember John the Revelator. He's now in heaven. He's, he's there in heaven getting a revelation of heaven. And the Bible says, and there was one speaking to him, the Alpha and the Omega. And the Bible says, and when he turned to see the one who spake with him, uh, and when he looked into the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, one likened, watch, unto the Son of Man. Aren't you glad that the Son of Man is at the right hand of God? He didn't say the Son of God was there. He said the Son of Man was there. Oh, I like that because he's there representing me. He's the Son of Man. And he's at the right hand of God. You remember the story? I like that. He had a garment down to the foot and girdled about the paps with the golden girdle. His, his hair and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow. And the Bible says his eyes as a flame of fire. He said, in his, in his feet, like undefined brasses, oh, burned in the furnace. And his voice is the sound of 
then he waters it. And he has in his right hand the seven stars of God. Oh, that marvelous. I like when John said, and he shines like the sun shining in its strength. He says, and when I saw him, I fell at his feet as a dead man. And he came and touched me and said, fear not. (laughs) See, Jesus don't look like that little baby in the manger no more. He's not on the cross as man. Now he's exalted man. He's he's elevated man. He's glorified man at the right hand of God. And notice what the Bible says that Jesus said, listen, I've got a message for the seven pastors of Asia, seven angels. And that's Revelation 2 and 3. Then then the revelator takes you to chapter 4 and you see just how the worship of God, the throne of God really looks like. And he's describing to you the the opulence of God. You can imagine all this going on in John, and you've seen how great God is. And then all of a sudden, out of the greatness of God, God is sitting on his throne, and the cherubim, and the, and the, cherubim, and, and the angels, and the elders, and, and the angels are worshiping God, and there's anthems, and there's praise. And then all of a sudden, God lifts up a book. Yeah. I'm sure John was taken back. There's a book in his hand. He says, oh, God wants to give me something. And an archangel stands before the throne of God and he says, is there anybody here worthy to open up this book? John is in a sea of beams. Nobody can step forward. There is no man worthy to open up the scroll of the book. Uh, Notice that it's wrapped seven times. Just to give a little background information, the the Jew understood this quite plainly. Because in in the days of of Jesus, uh, of John, uh, when a testament was given, when a last will and testament was written, uh, they, they would have seven testors, right? And, and they would tie a string around the scroll. You know, it's not a book with pages, but rather a scroll. This scroll, you would kind of roll it out and then roll it in and roll it out and roll it in. You could read the contents. This book had so much that it was written on both sides of the paper. And, 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 but it was, there was a, a, a thread, and they would tie this thread with the knot. They dripped some wax, and, and, and the, the person who was testifying to the content would seal it. It had seven seals, as it was in the days of the Israelites, to prove that what's written here is perfect, is attestable perfectly by its testors. What's before in the hand of God, John knows, is the future of mankind. Uh, what's in the hand of God is, is victory, is, is our help, is, is exactly the mind and will of God, but nobody can open the book. What God has for you, your future, is now tied up because nobody's worthy. John realizes that. 
Just as you would be if you were standing there. You know you're not worthy to go open the book, to untie the scroll, to unleash its content. You know that you couldn't stand before God. And he began to weep. How real that must have been. Oh, I can see it. I can sense it. And, you know, I, I believe I'm living in that day where that actual event is going to come to pass in maybe a week or today or tomorrow. That Because you realize that chapter 6 is the tribulation. Do you know the tribulation's right on us? Son of perdition is already alive. The Antichrist is already moving. The one world order is already taking place. The red heifer is already in Jerusalem. And you're acting like you've got time. Man, Maranatha. 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 There is the revelator. The beloved of God weeping at the throne of God because nobody can open the scroll. And then that elder says, John, come on, get up, get to your feet, man. There's one worthy here. Hallelujah. The lion of the tribe of Judah. The root of Jesse's here, man. Get onto your feet. Let's worship. He's here. And the Bible says the Lamb of God, right? The the, the, the scriptures say that that when he turned to see who it was, Uh it was a lamb that looks as though it had been slain. Do do you catch that? Do do, do you get the image in your mind that that, that here's the lamb? He's not absent of the scars, but present with the scars. The lashings and the beatings and the whippings and the cruelty and the bruising and the hurting of Jesus is right before the face of God this very moment that when he turned, he saw the lamb as though it had been slain. He said it had seven horns. See, horns are, I'm going to do my best tonight get into this eschatology because I love talking this stuff that horns are a symbol of strength of authority seven is a number of perfection he stands before the Lord in utter authority perfect authority he has with him seven eyes the perfect visage of God how many know that all the fullness of God dwelt in him bodily. He has seven eyes. Can you imagine a lamb with seven horns and seven eyes looking as though it's still bleeding and beaten and torn? And this is the vision that the visage that John sees. And he has the seven spirits of God. Uh, I'm not gonna go there. <laughs> if you want that, that's Isaiah chapter 11. <laughs> Verse 2, if you want to read about the seven spirits of God. And he comes forward. To take the book. 
all of heaven falls to their knees. Oh, y'all didn't hear me. You see, you see, the Lamb of God appears to open up the book for your future, for your life, for your victory, for your triumphant entry into the kingdom of heaven. And all of heaven falls to their feet and they worship the Lamb of God. So he is the Lion of Judah. You got your Bibles, right? Uh, open it, Genesis 29. Get your Bible, Reuben. Let me, let me see what time it is. Oh, I've got five minutes. Oh. Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? You want me to tell him or not tell him? You want me to tell him how this blood started? Oh, God. Okay, okay, okay. You're, you're, in, you're in Genesis 49. I'll just keep, you, keep yourself there because... I want to give a little preface to this. Some of you know there are 12 tribes of Judah, primarily because Jacob had 12 sons, just to keep it simple. Some of you know that, that, that Jacob, the deceiver, later had his name changed to Israel. But how many know uh, that Jacob deceived to get that birthright? That, that you, you remember the story how, how he tricked his father, right? And, and he got the birthright. And his brother Esau, you know all the trouble. He sold it for a bowl of beans, all that stuff. And, and, and Jacob is now settled. He, uh, he, his mother, while he was leaving, said, I want you to go to my uncle's house. Or my brother's house, pardon me. I want you to go to your uncle's house. My brother, his name is Laban. And I want you to go stay there with him because, you know, Esau's trying to kill you. And the Bible says that, 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 now just follow me. Jacob goes to Laban's house. When he gets there, he finds out that Laban has, has a daughter, his first cousin, and she is fabulous. <laughs> uh, the, the Bible says she was well endowed. Uh, she, she was fine. She, she was a 10 before there was a 10. Uh, she, she was a brick house before there was even anything called a brick house. Th this woman was cold-blooded fine. And, and when he saw her, he wanted her. I, want, I, the, 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 I know that I want that. And, 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 and remember now, he's looking at his first cousin. Touch somebody say, that's nasty. That nasty. That nasty. Don't look at your cousins like that. Kissing cousin. That nasty. That's what you're about. Ooh. You don't kiss your first cousins. You don't even kiss your second cousins. You don't even think about your third cousins. You don't you say, no, nah, we're too close. She was so fine, he indentured himself to work for seven years to get her. And while the day came to get her, you know what Laban did? He deceived him too. You know, what goes around comes around. Got him drunk and slipped him in Leah. The Bible says she was tender-eyed. That meant that one of her eyes was lazy. I'm just reading the Bible. Don't get mad at me. I'm not trying to make fun of nobody. No, I'm just telling you what the Bible said. She had a lazy eye, and the Bible says her name Lily translates into gazelle, so she was skinny too. Somehow, here's this beautiful woman he was. He gets him so drunk that, that in the night, he slipped him in Leah. And, and, and guess what? Uh, Leah may not be pretty, but she can have babies. You just look at her, she get pregnant. <laughs> Boom, pregnant. And, and the Bible says that she gave him 10 sons. Oh, 
y'all know the story that, that, that finally God opened up Rachel's womb and she gave him two sons. You know him, a, 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 a man by the name of Joseph, who is, who is in the Old Testament a prefigure of Jesus, and Benjamin, the tribe by which Paul comes from. I mean, this is rich stuff, right? But, I, but I'm trying to draw your attention to these ten sons because these ten sons, uh, they were murderers at heart. You know why? Because they tried to kill their brother Joseph. And Judah was one of the conspirators. And in fact, the Bible tells me in the 38th chapter of the book of Genesis that he must have had a really bad conscience, so he left town. He left his family and said, man, I'm getting out of here. He went to go live with the man down in Canaan. And you know what? He married him a Canaan woman. Now, now hold tight because I'm talking to you about the line of Judah. I'm talking to you about blood. I want to show you where your blood comes from. Because I mean, no blood is thicker than water. Marries a woman by the name of Shua. He gives him three boys. Y'all know these stories, right? Ur, Onan, and Shelah. Uh, I taught you this, that, that it was a father's responsibility to give his son a bride. And so he found him a woman by the name of Tamar. And he gives them to his eldest son, Ur. But the Bible says that Ur was evil, so God killed him. Look at your name and say, be careful with God. He was evil and God killed him. So you know how the process works, that, 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 if, that if a brother was married and he left his wife spouseless, the younger brother had the responsibility of getting her pregnant. Somebody say, ooh, that's gross. It's getting weird, right? It's getting weird. Is it getting weird? It's getting weird for me. It's getting weird for you. So he goes to his son Onan and says, Onan, look, listen, your brother, he, he's, he's been, he, God took him, and so you need to go over to tomorrow, and you need to get a pregnant. She never had a baby. And so the Bible says that, that while Onan went over there to have sex with her, he started thinking, man, you know, if I have sex with this woman and she gets pregnant, that ain't going to be my son. It's going to be my brother's son. That, that boy ain't even going to be mine. So he had sex, but when it came time to leave seed, the Bible said he spilt it on the ground. Catch this. And it so angered God that he slew him. Look at your neighbor say, we're talking about the blood. So hold tight. We're talking about the blood, right? I'm talking about the, I'm talking about the, the, the Judah, uh, uh, the, the lion of the tribe. Just hold on. I'm, I'm going to take you somewhere. So stay with me. So, 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 so now uh, 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 I, I think Judah's a little concerned that, that his son is a little too young to be having babies, kids. You know. So he tells tomorrow, tomorrow go home. And when my son gets older, I'll, I'll send him to you. Well, it never happened. So word gets out years later that, that, that Judah, remember, line of the tribe of Judah, this is the person we're talking about, right? That she hears that he's coming to shear his sheep in Canaan. And so she, she says, you know what? I'm going to get rid of all my widow clothes, and I'm going to go out there with the veil. And the Bible says she, well, she looked like a harlot. Here comes Judah. You know, his wife is passed. He only has one boy left, and as he's walking, he sees this woman, and he's, he, he, he propositions her for sex. Look at your name and say, we're still talking about, where in the Bible? It's not Mari Povich. Or, this is the Bible. We're talking about the Bible. Because I'm going to teach you the truth about the blood we're talking about. 
And he propositions her. And she said, well, what will you give me if we have, we have relations? He said, well, I'm going to give you a little kid, a little goat. She goes, do you have it? He goes, no, I don't have it. But I'll, I'll, after we get finished, I'll go back. I'll bring it back. So, no, no, no. Give me a token that you'll come back. Yeah. He says, what? He says, well, give me your staff and your ring and your bracelet, your signet. So he does it. Leaves it with her. He has sex with her, and he goes back. Goes back to his little, his little farm. Gets a little kid, comes back. She's gone. He asked, where's the woman that was here? They said, well, there's no harlot here. Okay, we don't know what you're talking about. So he went back. Three months later, somebody says, hey, did you hear? Hear what? Your daughter-in-law, Tamar, guess what? She's pregnant. She's pregnant? Bring her here and we're going to burn her. This is Judah. Brothers and sisters, this is Judah. Scriptures say that they, they brought her, and when she came, she said, I know you're going, you know, are you pregnant? Yes, I'm pregnant. Who got you pregnant? Well, the man that left this staff and the ring and this bracelet. Judah says, she's more righteous than I am. I, I should have brought her my son. The Bible says she had twins in her belly. The scriptures say that her midwife, while she was having a baby, uh, while she was there, and I, I, you know, some of y'all dads that have been there, you, you, you know this is a crazy place. I've been there three times. And while he's there, while the midwife's there, she sees a hand come out, a baby's hand. And she quickly gets a, a, a scarlet a thread. She says, this is the one that was born first. And she says, then that hand went back in. That's possible. I've been, I've been, I see some crazy things. And all of a sudden, a baby comes first. And they bring him out, and, and, and he's the breach. He, he, he breached first. He's, he's the first. He's the breach. The scarlet hand went back, and the baby was born, and, and they called him Perez. God said, I'm going to move in that one right there. From the line of Perez comes the very bloodline of the kingdom of God. Oh, God, this is getting crazy. The, 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 the father sleeping with the daughter-in-law and the twin that breached first, the one that came first, that out of Perez would come the bloodline. It wasn't just but, but, but a few generations that we find a, a woman by the name of Ruth, a Moabite. Yeah, yeah. You know, somebody incest, incestuous who then finds favor with Elimelech. And, 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 and Elimelech, who comes from Perez, uh, has a baby boy. And that baby boy's name is Jesse. Uh -huh. 
Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? I mean, this is, this is wild stuff. She's a Moabite. You, 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 you remember who a Moabite, you know, when you say you're a Moabite, what you're actually saying, you, you remember Lot. Remember Lot? When the angels came to take him out of Sodom and Gomorrah, you, you remember Lot's wife looked back and she turned to a pillar of salt. And, and so when they went up into a mountain to hide, that Lot's two daughters looked at the earth and they thought the whole earth was being destroyed. And they said, there's no man but our father. And the Bible says they got their father drunk, slept with him. And she had a son. Look at your neighbor and say, he's not making this up. This is, this is in the Bible, man. This is, I got to teach you the dirty parts, too. And the Bible says that she had a son. She called him Moab. And from the Moabites came the inhabitants of Sodom and Gomorrah. No wonder. And you see, Ruth was a Moabite. But she's also the mother of Jesse. Jesse is the father of David. <laughs> you see, you see the, the bloodline. Though it was corrupt, God had blessed it. Are you in Genesis 49? Read it with me. Because I want to read it to you. Because I'm here to tell you, God, God will take stuff that you think can't be used. Because, see, I'm talking about the line of Judah. I'm talking about the blood right. That, that, that my blood's in it too, because I may know that if, that if you believe you are now a son of Abraham, a daughter of Abraham, you're part of the bloodline. Oh, and your family's got some problems. But it's blessed. <laughs> Thank God I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Oh, and they say, don't, 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 don't weep. Don't weep because, because man, look, the, the, the line of the tribe of Judah is here, of the root of Jesse. Does anybody say amen to that? Amen. Listen, I don't know how you got here. I don't know how you got mixed up. I don't know what your problems are. But baby, the line of the tribe of Judah is opening the scroll. He's preparing your future. Somebody say Hallelujah. Are you ready? Check this out. This, this, is, this is Genesis 49. Oh, man, I got to stop. He can come in and play the piano. I mean, you got to get done. You got to get done. He's visiting today. He knows it's time to leave. Come on, that's good, John. I appreciate it. Check this out. Genesis 49, verse 8. Of course, you know, Jacob, his sons, Jacob's passing, and he's giving to all his sons a blessing. Because remember, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. It is. And so Jacob is literally prophesying the Messiah. Oh. He said this. Check this out. Genesis 49, 8. Judah, thou art he whom thy brethren shall praise. Thy hand shall be in the neck of thy enemies. Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. Gi Judah is a lion's whelp or a cub. From the prey, my son, thou art gone up. He stooped down. He, he couched as a lion. And as an old lion, 
Who shall rouse him up? The scepter, the scepter rule authority shall not depart from Judah, nor lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come. And unto him shall be the gathering of the people be, binding his fowl unto the vine, and his asses cold unto the choice vine. He washed his garments in wine and his clothes in the blood of grapes. Oh. Somebody say, hello, body and blood. Oh, God. His eyes shall be red with wine and his teeth white with milk. Will you stand with me real quick? Just stand with me. All of heaven fell down at the, the bloodline. I, I wasn't planning on sharing all that stuff with you out of Genesis. The Spirit just inspired me to do so. I didn't want to tell you all that, but I had to tell you because the Spirit was telling me, you need to know where the blood comes from. That blood is tainted with all of our imperfections. Tainted with, with all the poisons of life. Oh. It's like what God said that, that He let those vipers, y'all remember in Numbers 21, He let those vipers by, let that venom get in their blood. Oh, Lord. L listen, there's, there's more stories in the Bible just like that one that will shock you. And here's that blood tainted as it's moving through a human line. It's moving through channels of people and all their problems and things and situations. I, I, I say to myself that, quite honestly, I could say are appalling to just the casual reader. But yet there's a prophecy going forward. There's a word traveling with it. That out of Judah, out of, out of the least of them, would come the lion of the tribe of Judah. Birth like a man. But out of the prophetic statement of blessing from Jacob through the forefathers, through King David, we would call him Messiah, the son of David. Here he is in full blood. Oh, can you see it? Jesus said, you got to drink my blood. Here's his flesh beaten, broken, torn, bruised. Jesus said, you got to Eat my flesh too. You see, I am the Lamb of God. Born as the Son of Man, coming to you as the Son of God. He is blood and body. He's the fullness of the encapsulation of God in His fullness, for He has seven eyes. He's the fullness of the authority of the kingdom of heaven. He reigns. He's king supreme. He'll reign forever and ever. 
And there he is in the fullness of his authority. Now, now while you're standing, the Spirit spoke to me just a few days ago that I need to read something to you. So you're standing, keep your eyes closed, and I just want you to concentrate on here he is, full-blooded Messiah from, from, from Judah. He's, he's now the lion of the tribe of Judah. We call him that. Full blood. Could I, could I suggest carrying all the imperfections of that blood? I, I make no stakes. I make no bones about it. I, I, I'm dealing with what the blood really is, but this is the blood of God. Standing before mankind, he's the Messiah. He has all my imperfections, all my frailties, all my weaknesses. Now, I want to read something to you. We, we read in verse 10 that, that John saw the fullness of those scrolls being opened. And what was the fullness? That, that we would now be kings and priests. And that the reality of our dominion which was taken. Do you know that Lucifer is called the God of this world? Now, now follow me because I want to teach you something valuable. Keep praying, but listen to what I'm telling you. That even in the temptation that I read to you last week, that Lucifer told Jesus, I'll give you all these kingdoms. For you see, they were delivered to me. These belong to mine, and I can give them to you. Now, Jesus didn't contest his ownership. He said, worship the Lord only. <laughs> but trust me when I tell you, the devil owned the world and the contents thereof, the glory and fame attributed to all that would be in the world. He's even the God of the air. And I just want you to hear that because when Adam failed in the garden, we relinquished our authority to, to dominate the earth on God's behalf. We lost our authority. We gave it over to Lucifer and he took it. And he's been ruling the earth ever since. Up until the blood showed up. <laughs> up until the body showed up. So, so I want to read a statement to you, which, is, which, which, which primarily is really the, the course of this message. You say, well, Pastor, why did you preach this message, the line of the tribe of Judah and the Lamb of God? What, what did John take away? John said, now that he's opened up the book and the contents can be read, our future as kings and priests is sure. And we're going to reign with Jesus forever and ever. I want to read something to you. This is, this is Joshua standing before the nation of Israel. I'll stand today as his proxy. Talking to the multitude of millions of, of, of Israelites, Hebrew, Hebrew people that had been delivered out of their bond, their bond master, Egypt. And they're now in the land of promise. They're, they are now walking... Uh, in, in all of that God had given them in a land flowing with milk and honey uh, uh, your teeth are white as milk <laughs> oh God and, and we are drinking from the, the, the fruit of the vine right the, I want you to hear Joshua give a statement of governance to the nation of Israel he says now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth. And put away 
the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. He said, and if serving God seem evil to you, then choose you this day whom ye will serve. Whether the gods your father served on the other side of the flood or the God of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. Then Joshua said this, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You see, how did the nation of Israel become peculiar? What, what was supposed to be their design? Do you know that the Bible says that we're a holy nation, a peculiar people, a royal priesthood? What, what makes us, what did God give back to us that he was trying so desperately to give to Israel, to his only firstborn? You know what he was trying to give them? Governance. Let your homes be ruled by me. I'm your king. Be my priest. Husbands, priest your house. <laughs> Mamas, priest your house. Parents, let's priest our homes. Uh, the, the, the whole kingdom of God, uh, the, 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 the angels, the, the elders, the, the beasts, the, the, the cherubim, the archangels, the the, 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 the sheriffs, they all fell down to worship. 